All right, good morning, one and all. It is officially 9.01, and we got a few stragglers rolling into church here. You're, you're all late. You're all late. How dare you? Everybody sit down. Everybody, you know, okay, welcome, everybody. I am uh, Marty Leeds. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, and you are listening to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, and I appreciate everybody being here this morning. Today should be a good one. Uh, we are going to talk about... What are we going to talk about? Oh, this is episode 26... <clears throat> and we're going to be talking about Mark chapter 13, the wheel of time. And really what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this, um, uh, I'm going to utilize this chapter as a way to really talk about basically the wheel of fortune, the wheel of time, the wheel of uh, fate, and uh, that sort of thing, because they talk about it quite a bit in this chapter. So before we do that, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do a native prayer. I thought this one was pretty good. And this prayer is really good. I'll say it, and then I want to talk about it a little bit. And then we'll uh, discuss a few things before we get going on the lesson. I give you this one thought to keep. I am with you still. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift, uplifting rush of quiet birds in circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not think of me as gone. I am with you still in each new dawn. And I love that. I love the prayer. I was actually just looked on Google and I was like, oh, Native American prayer. I wonder what came up. And this is one of the things that came up. But I actually like it quite a bit because it's something that that uh, Amor and I spoke about uh, last Sunday. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation with Amor last Sunday. Uh, I'm glad they came by. We're going to try to do that maybe once a month if we can make it happen. Um, but it was great. He's just such a, him and his wife are such lovely beings. He's such a lovely man. He's like, you know, I gave him the, um, the name uh, Amor Walking Hug. We're actually going to give, I think we're going to start giving Native American names on the channel here. So everybody's going to be, <laughs> so he's going to be Amor Walking Hug Russell. And let's see, what, what else we got? Our friend Bonnie, I, her name is Bonnie. And Bon, of course, in, in French means good. So we, we call her, Bonnie Graham, we call her she who has good knee. So that's her native name. And then what else we got? We have a uh, Small Axe, Small Axe, that will be your name. That's your native name. Anyway, uh, I hope you all enjoyed. Um, if they have the big tree, then we have the small axe. Um, Amor, Brendan, they're just lovely beings. Amor just exudes all this, this, this love from him. He's such a gentle soul and such a, you know, just wonderful person too, you know. And he's... He's gone through the mysteries, you know. He's uh, he's looked into the darkness and the, the darkness. He's been to the mysteries. He's seen the conspiracies. He's you know he's he's gone through the rigmarole and the ringer and has come out on the other end being this person of just like I know all the pain and suffering and everything that's going on in the world and I'm still going to be this beam of light and it's unbelievably refreshing. It you you want to have a friend like that hang around. It's infectious. I shouldn't use the word infectious because that's very. Uh, that's very German theory. But you know what I mean. It's uh, just wonderful. So I hope you all enjoyed that. So any, anyway, let me get on to what I was saying. One of the things that we discussed was this notion that God is everywhere and that everything rings, that the whole point of the, the sort of mystic revelation and the, and the Gnostic approach is to, is to come to understand and know God within everything. And as I was saying, that's a very native what we assume or attribute to like Native American spirituality and sort of ways of thinking, but it's really not. It has nothing to, you know, it's not like exclusive to, it's really the, the, the true mystic insight. That's where you want to get in your state of consciousness. And that's seeing God manifest in, in everything around you. And that's in the tree in front of you, the wind that blows, 
And that's that's what this whole this whole prayer is about. And that's what we were discussing about how, you know, when we look at um, the definition of Christ, right? Our understanding of Christ must must um, agree with the definitions and of, of Christ as he's given in the Bible. And that's, you know, above all, through all, within you, is centered within you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is within you. You know, he is, a, he's a, you know, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He's always here, and we're going to talk about that today. So this, you know, this Native American prayer says, I give, I give you this one thought to keep. This Just know this. Know this one thing. I'm with you all the time. I do not sleep. He's the all-seeing eye of God. He sees everything. I'm a thousand winds that blow. Everything that, every wind that blows, the essence of God is within it. I'm the, I'm the diamond glints on snow. When you see the glint of snow, that's God speaking. You know, this is, this is what it's all about. And so that's really the, the Gnostic approach. So I just thought it was a really cool prayer. And that's really what we're trying to get people to understand. So, all right. Let's do this. <clears throat> What is more than, yeah, you're Broken Bear. I know. It's Jen Brew the Pious. That's already a native name. Brew the Pious. Broken Bear, exactly. Okay. Um, awesome. So let's get into it. So once again, we're going to talk about the Wheel of Time today. So I'm going to read the first, maybe like five, I don't know, five, ten verses here. Mark chapter 13, and then we'll get into it. So. Mark chapter 13, number one. And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, once again, when we talk about the temple, whenever we read this stuff, we have to understand that, yes, they're giving us a story. Yes, they might be talking about things in, in your uh, experience of history. Yes, that ultimately, though, we have to understand that whatever is being expressed here has to come back to the temple of you. Everything that's going on here has to go on in here as well. And we'll see that when we when we pick apart this thing. Because what we're going to see in this chapter is the entire world is crumbling all around, you know. And what we have to do is find the, the still point within us. And that's what um, Jesus is going to talk about. So, let's start again. And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. So he's coming along and be like, look at this. Look at this architecture. Look how amazing this is. Look at the stones. Oh my Lord, look at this temple. Look at this tabernacle. Look at this pyramid. Look at this, you know, ziggurat. Aren't they amazing, Jesus? And what's Jesus? Broken bare mountain. Come on now. That's just mean. And so it's amazing. What is this? And what is Jesus's reply? Jesus answers, saith unto him, seest thou these great buildings? See all of these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. So as they're walking along, all these the, the disciples are like, look at these buildings. Look at how amazing they are. Look at this architecture. And Jesus is like, it's all going to be dust in the wind. Why? Well, because Jesus is a prophet. Jesus can see into the future. He's amazing, right? Well, guess what? I'm a prophet too. Just I'm going to quote, everybody quote me here, right? Marty Leeds is a prophet. Why? Well, because I can see into the future too. Yep. I've got a crystal ball. No, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm going to make a prophecy right here and now. You know what that prophecy is going to be? I'm going to make a prophecy. And if my prophecy turns out to be correct, each and every single one of you owe me $11.11. Tomorrow, <clears throat> the sun will rise over there. I know. I'm a genius. I know. I'm like a Zen master guru shaman wizard because I just prophesied that the sun will rise over there. Why is Jesus saying this? 
that everything's going to be thrown down because Jesus understands the cycles of time. Jesus understands that what goes on down here is death and rebirth, destruction and recreation. That's what happens down here. So, And we see this in our world. And this is what's understood, and we're going to talk about this quite a bit today, is world ages, okay? That basically there's a pattern that the earth goes through, and it's, it gives, there's a characteristic, there's a personality to the pattern of the eon of the age, and all of that will go away, and there'll be a new pattern. And this is called world ages, and we're going to talk about this. So anytime it says the end of the world in the Bible, or the end of days, anything, any, any like a language that's couched in that, what they're actually talking about is world ages, okay? So the ages of the world is the notion that the world or the cosmos as a living thing, and that's exactly what this prayer is about. That's exactly what we mean when the, the Gnostic looks out into the world and says, look, above all, through all, and within you, that means we should be able to understand the essence of God everywhere around us. That's what this prayer is about. That's what the language of the Bible is all about. That's when Jesus says, I, you know, I am the church, that sort of thing. I'm the head of the church, and we're all members of one church. Each and every single person is part of the body of church, of the church of Christ. Why is he saying that? Because the church of Christ is everywhere and everything, everywhere that you place your, you know, drop on your two knees or you put your hands together or just, you know, have that moment of stillness in yourself. Christ is there is the point. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> the world is living. It's a living thing. So the notion that the world of the cosmos as a living thing undergoes stages of development similar to those of a human individual is more than a poetic conceit. It is a ubiquitous belief. This, this understanding, this is one of the things that actually got me into the mysteries. Thank, um, you know, may he rest in peace, John Major Jenkins, was one of the things that actually got me into this, was this notion that there were cultures around the world that all celebrated this, all understood this, that the, that the, that the earth goes through cycles. Uh, it is a ubiquitous belief, one that is frequently displayed in linguistic phenomenon. For example, lying behind the English word world is an old Germanic compound, world, meaning the life, the age of man. So even the world... When we say, all oh, the world is going to end, that means when you look at the etymology, when you reach back into what the words mean, it's the life or the age of man. An age, an eon, okay? Um, world also is W-H-I-R-L-E-D. World as in world, as in turning, as in spinning, and we'll get to that in just a bit. In Indo-European languages, the terms for life or world and the terms designating temporal periods often shade off into each other, as in the Greek aeon or the Latin seculum. So... Um, so yeah, so when Jesus walks along, so the disciples are like, look at these stones. And Jesus is like, they're all going to disappear. Okay, well, we don't have to wait for some apocalypse. We don't have to wait for the end of days when everything falls apart. That sort of thing. We don't have to wait for any of that to see that happening in our world right now. We can prove that what Jesus is saying is correct. Because when we see that, what happened to the old world? What is this? For those of you listening at home, this, you need some visuals here. This is, once again, just some images from the 1893 World Fair. Now, I've, all these things that people are calling Tartaria, right, that sort of thing, that's a, a blanket term for a bunch, you know, they're basically muddling up a, probably a whole slew of history into sort of one and, and calling it Tartaria. And we have no idea if these are Tartarian buildings or anything like that. But what do we do know? That we don't know shit. We don't know who built these, where'd they come from, where'd they go, what happened to the civilization, what let, you know, any, all of that. It's gone. We can go down to downtown Chicago right now, and everything that Jesus said would be correct. 
God, look at these buildings, Jesus. See us these great buildings, everybody? There shall not be left one stone upon another, then that shall, be, shall not be thrown down. Every single one. Look, all these buildings are gone. Why? Because that's what happens down here. Everything gets gone. Everything is temporary, impermanent, and that's just how it is. That's what, when God manifested the universe, the world, when he made creation, that was part of the creation. It was inherent, built into the structure of the thing, that everything down here is temporary. You are a being that was tempted by temptation into time, into the tempo, the rate, the tempest of time. And down here, it's temporary. There's a lot of temps there. You're tempted into temptation by the tempest of time, and everything down here is temporary. So when Jesus come along, what a great prophet! Jesus, wow, you're so genius. No? Well, I mean, yes, of course. But beyond that, all he was doing was recognizing how this plane operates. He looked and he's like, oh, you see all that? It'll all be gone. About the Gothic cathedrals, who built those? How many, there's a bunch of those that are, they're all go, gone down to, you know, dis, disintegration and falling apart and stuff like that. What's going to happen throughout the sands of time? All those buildings will be gone. How many, you know, what about the, we, you know, we think about uh, the giants. What, what happened to the giants, right? There's a lot of cultures, cross-culturally, once again, a ubiquitous belief centered in so many mythologies. Clearly that there was races of giants here. There's, once again, stories and folk tales and fairy tales and myths and all, and books and all this stuff related to, hey, there were giants here. Who were they? Where'd they come from? What language did they speak? What religion did they have? How did they interact with the human beings? Were they even here? We, had, we have no idea. Poof, gone. Why? Because that's what happens down here. Whether it's freaking Paul, Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox and Jack and the Beanstalk and Jack the Giant Killer. Poof, gone. Everything that was here, gone. That's just how it works down here. You cling to that, that's when your desperation will start. What about the mound builders? We're sitting right now in the uh, in uh, good old U.S. of A. up north in Wisconsin here, and this state and the states around here—Ohio, Iowa, Minnesota, down in Illinois—you can you can go down to um, oh, what's the one down in Illinois? The the big in the lower left-hand corner. I forget what that place is called. Anyway, um, mounds everywhere. You go down to Madison. You can go into the parks. They're not even kept up anymore. Um, and you can go and find mounds. You can go into the Wisconsin, I think it's wisconsinmounds.org, I think is what it is. And it's a whole list of mounds that are not kept up by the state or they're on private property or some of them are a freaking golf course now. Who were they? Who were these people? What language did they speak? How did they interact with one another? How long were they here? We have no idea. Do you know what? Until we get up to the gates of heaven and see the whole thing for what it is, we'll never know because that's in the past. All of those stones in that, in, in that sense were gone. What about Egypt? Same thing. How many, how many, thinking about the, my mom actually said this when we were driving. Um, she was like, it was like this like flat area. Next thing you know, there was like this big, it looked like it was just a man-made mound, right? And my mom said, she's like, I wonder if those could be mounds. And I had said something to her. I was like, I don't think we can possibly understand, even come close to understand what has shaped the landscape that we're, you know, putting our two feet. I said something to this effect, but I don't think we can possibly understand what has shaped the landscape of the earth 
over the over the years. I don't think we can't even possibly know how long Earth's been here, in that sense. So, uh, Egypt, it's a mystery. It's all gone, and the stones. Look at that. They're you know slowly that that's that sphinx will go into the sand. So, this notion that the down here is impermanent, temporary. Okay, we, um, Amor and I talked about this as well. Forget about the conspiracies. Forget about the despots and the tyrants and the people specifically destroying history. Just forget about all of that. Just your experience. You're going to have to come down here and everything that you've ever known and loved, every person that you've loved, will all be gone down here. That's how it works. This is the physical. It's the corporeal. It's the terrestrial. It's the material matter, earth. In this realm, everything gets gone. And the only thing that stays is the word. And we're going to talk about that today. So this idea of world ages, that there's a pattern. And so at one pattern, there were mound builders. And that was the pattern, if you will, of which they lived. And then another time, there was Gothic builders. Maybe they were just like us. Maybe they were giants. Maybe Guess what? We ain't never going to know. You know why? Because that's the past and it's gone and it's temporary. It's fleeting. So this idea of world ages is actually something that's within uh, the Bible. So whenever you look at everything that's talked about, um, you know, in the Bible in reference to age or, you know, that sort of thing, this is what they're talking about. Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? So when we talk about the end of the world, well, wait a second, though. But the Bible also says that the earth is going to remain forever. So what is the end of the world? It's the end of the world. It's that pattern. It's that, uh, you know, characteristic of, of how people lived. It's the Cahokia Mounds. Thank you. My mom said that? Mm -hmm. See? Cahokia. Good morning. It's Cahokia. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and it's saying Cahokia, the mounds in Cahokia, by the way, are the, the, the pyramid there is larger in area than the Great Pyramid. Most people don't even know it exists. The, the head of the Smithsonian didn't even know the mound builders were here until 1992, at least on record. So. so when we talk about the earth, no, the earth plane, the earth plane will be here forever. The pattern, the age, the eon in which we live and how we live and how we interact with it, that's going to change. How do we know it changes? Well, we'll see that in just a second, but look at the, look at the seasons, the winter it's different than the spring, and the spring is different than the summer, and the summer is different than the fall, but they're all part of the one cycle. So who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? The earth's going to be here forever. You know what's not going to be here forever? The world. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. I don't remember what happened to the giants. I don't know where they went. I, I, I don't know what. It's all gone. I don't know who built the Gothic cathedrals. I, it's all just as the Bible says. You're not going to remember. You're not going to know. Who built all this stuff? The, the, the world fairs and all these amazing architecture all over the world. Who, who did it? We don't know. And you're never going to know. It'll always be a mystery. And the, and the reason that you know, well, we'll get into that in a second, why this happens is because that's what happens on earth. Jesus wasn't some amazing prophet that could see literally into the future. Well, maybe he could, but beyond all that, he doesn't need to because he just know how this he just knows how this place works. He knows it's death and resurrection. He knows it's destruction and cycles of recreation. One generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. 
Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And that's what, that's what we seek. We're already, we, we're already seeking that next, um, that next age in which this age, which we are clearly all see as an age of, you know, um, materiality and despair and unhealthiness. You know, we're, we're, we're in, that, in that cycle. We're moving away from source. I, I think we can all see that. It's one of the insights that I'd had a, a long time ago that got me into this stuff. So the Bible itself actually refers to these things. There is no end of the world. There is an end of the world. There is no end of the earth, though, of the earth that it should not be removed forever. The former shall not be remembered. Do we remember the former? Nope. This is the Gnostic cycle. This is what Amor was saying that when he said, hey, I, um, you know, I, I believe in the perennial philosophy. I was like, yep, yep. What is the perennial? Peren we know what perennial means, right? We know what philosophy means. So it's this idea that we move, that there's a cycle. We move away from source, we come back to source. We move away from source, we come back to source. We come into the knowledge of God and of, of divinity and natural law and our inherent rights and, and the, you know, the preeminence of God and the omnipotent omniscience and omnipresence of God and the, the gnosis of God, recognizing God everywhere. We come into that knowledge and then we fall away from it. And then we come into it and then we fall away from it. And that is what's known as the wheel of time. Now, this is a notion that, once again, I got into this through um, the Mayan studies, but this is something that they recognize, that time as you experience it, yes, is a linear thing. You're going to be born, you're going to get old and get gray hair and lose your hair and all that sort of stuff, and then you're going to slouch over and then you're going to die. And you experience life as linear. Yes, absolutely. Everybody experiences life as a linear thing, but life and the world is not. Time itself is cyclical. And that's what all of these ancient cultures clearly understood. And this is what the Bible understands. This is why Jesus can look out. We're in line two of Mark here, and I'm only 20 minutes in. I'm already 20 minutes in. Line two of Mark here. The stones will come down. All of them. Why? Because Jesus knew what was going on down here. This is the Jane Cosmic Wheel of Time. This is what's known as the, um, these are the world ages, right? It's understood as the Wheel of Fortune. <clears throat> Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Fate, Wheel of Karma, Wheel of Time. Um, and that's the Tarot deck. Um, we got the Mayan calendar. The Mayan, they had their, you know, they even showed you this is a wheel. You know, you look at your clock on the wall. What is it doing? It's a wheel. So you got your, um, what the Greeks essentially understood, your Golden Age, your Silver Age, your Bronze Age, and your Iron Age. And then you've got the Yugic cycles, right? Sata Yuga, Treta Yuga, Dwapara Yuga, Kali Yuga, the Jain Cosmic Wheel of Time. All of these things are referring to the exact same thing. How do we know that there's going to be cycles of destruction? How does Jesus know that those all, those all those stones will come down? Because he knows where he is. He knows that this place is temporary and permanent, that everything here in the patterns of the heavens and the earth and the world of the age will get gone and there will be a new one. How does he know that? Because he just understands what goes on down here. The day. And then, oh, it's the bright, beautiful sun, and it's rising, and it's shining light upon all things. Think of the symbolism here. You experience it every single day. You experience the death and resurrection every single day. The, the sun rises, the glorious light of the sun, and it gets up the eyes. Like, yes. And then it goes, oh, no, where is it going? It's going to die. It's going to the rise. And then it goes away. And then what happens? It comes back. There's a new day. There's a new period, there's a new age, there's a new eon, if you will. High tides and low tides, the seasons. What does the sun do in the seasons? Summer, fall, 
winter, spring, summer, fall. It does the same thing. The, the ancient people that recognized these golden ages, right? Why did they recognize world ages? Because they could just see what's happened with the, the, the archaeology and all the artifacts that have been left over, the residue of history, if you will. They can look at all that and see, oh, wow, look, all that stuff is just still, it's still standing. It's falling apart. It's gone. It's getting gone. What, why is all this stuff gone? Because all you have to do is look up at the sun. What is it doing? Taking everything away. Oh, it's all gone. It's all gone. gone. And then it brings back. It's the same thing. But it's all new. It's a new day. This is a classic, really, insight that's at the core of mysticism. And this is the story of God. Falling, coming back up. Dying, resurrecting. This is the story. This is his story. We don't have an objective record of history. We don't have a record of written history in which all the stuff is written down and then that's what happened in a linear sense. That's horse apples. We can't throw all of history out, but the idea, somebody had mentioned, made a comment the other day, it was like, most people don't even know 150 to 200 years of their own history of their own family, but we're supposed to trust 2,000 years of history? Why? Doesn't make any sense. So what is the history that we really need to know of? Well, that's the history of cycles. That's his story. Wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Oh, Journey were a great band. Look, you can hate the 80s and the like cheesy rock synth shit, you know what I mean, and all that sort of stuff. And like, yeah, it's overproduced and, you know, the drum sounds, you know, that sort of thing. I get that. But Journey were a great band. I mean, my Lord. Anyway, so what do we know? What is the classic thing about his story? His story. It's a story. And it's only one repeating story. Death and rebirth. That's it. History, as we know, repeats itself. Why? Because it's a cycle. It's not linear. It's a classic adage. It's an idiom or whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, history repeats itself. can be applied not only to the whole sweep of human history, but also to our own individual lives. Why? Because it's, once again, an archetypal pattern. It's a fractal pattern, if you will, if you want to use a mathematical metaphor there, to say that hey, everything that happens in the grand cosmic scheme happens within us. We all have a personal history which can contain patterns and repetitions, right? And Amor and I talked about that last uh, last week too, about how to break the th you know the things is recognize those patterns that are keeping you in a in a duller state and a lower you know conscious and that sort of thing and break them. Uh, history repeats itself means there are patterns that can be observed across history. We can see those patterns. Similar events keep occurring again and again. We can see that, and we should learn from our past mistakes. Which of course, the story of God is in the Son. The story of Jesus' death, and this comes from my book, Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I love 80s music. I know. Dreams by, I mean, Dreams by Van Halen is just unbelievable, right? Do you guys, Okay. Great freaking tune. Anyway. His story, here it is. This comes from the book, Lord Jesus Christ. The story of Jesus' death and resurrection is a universal story about the path of the sun throughout the year. This cycle is ever repeating and thusly is one of the prime markers of a divine intelligence behind our world. 
The story of the sun in many ways reflects the story of our rites of passage, which we'll talk about in just a bit here, our hero's journey. To review, the hero's journey consists of three basic stages, separation, the old self, beginning, liminality, transitory stage, spiritual opening, in between self is usually what it's called, liminality, and then you have the incorporation, integration, transformation into the new self. We may poetically say that the sun separates its old self from the death of the winter, to birth a beginning after the solstice. It then makes its long journey around the circle of the year, transitioning in between the spring of new life, peaking in summer, to the coming autumn, autumn uh, coming autumnal fall of death. Only to then incorporate and integrate the entire cycle into a new transformation to the new year, and a new sun is born. That's story of our death and rebirth. You can throw all the books out, all the Vedas and all the Upanishads and the Bibles and they got the, this and that. You can throw it all out. And God has given you the story of your spiritual conquest in the path of the sun. Just as the initiate is to make a journey from darkness to light, so the sun does the same throughout the year. Both the yearly and daily or diurnal story of the sun is one and the same. It's a cycle of death and rebirth. Um, and is ultimately a story of catabasis, a descent of some type, or a trip into the underworld. And the sun moves into the underworld of winter, rising anew every spring, and then retreats to the underworld every night, only to rise anew every morning. Through the cycles, though the cycles are different, the story remains one and the same. That's incorrect, by the way. Bezikoff, 5150 is not the last great Van Halen album. Balance is fantastic. For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge is absolutely fantastic. You can't tell me that freaking pound cake and you know when you got the freaking you know drill out and it's fantastic look that's a wrong opinion okay moving on so um this cut this is actually this is a kabbalistic thing the seven world ages from the winchester bible showing the seven ages within the opening letter i of the book of genesis we've talked about that uh, uh, you know skip that this idea of world ages is something that's understood in some of the most classic works of literature as well. This is known as Ovid's Metamorphosis. Gives you the basic, the, the, like some of the most um, classic sort of themes that are used in a lot of these um, religious texts and scripts and things like that. You know, the creation. You've got the giants. You've got the four ages. You know, first, first to be born was the golden age of its own free will, without laws or enforcement. It did what was right, and trust prevailed. Okay, the flood, that sort of thing. So Ovid's Metamorphosis, by the way, which is where you actually find a lot of the um, astronomical co uh, correlations that you'll find in the Bible, you'll find it in that book if you want to know. Finnegan's Wake, this book knocked me on my bunghole. This, this book is absolutely an, just a genius piece of writing. Finnegan's Wake, if you guys don't have it, and if you do get it, good luck, because it is a heck of a read. Anyway, um, this book is, the first thing it tells you about is the fact that, number one, that you're dropped in the middle of a script. That's the first thing it tells you about in this book. You're dropped in the middle of a story is really what you are. When you're born, the script has already started and there's already an end and you're sort of dropped in the middle of it. That's exactly what happens in Finnegan's Wake. Finnegan's Wake is a book by James Joyce and the opening starts in the middle of a sentence. Just like you, you're dropped in the middle of the, the script of creation. You're like, what the hell's going on here? Where am I going? What is everything? Where is there, what, what am I doing here? So it literally starts, the end of the book says, the keys to given away alone, alas, a loved along the... You flip it over and it starts the... Oh, oh, wrong one. You flip it over and it starts the sentence. 
River run past Eve and Adams from Swerve of Shore to Benda Bay brings us by a commodity of bikers for circulation back to Howth Castle. All right, is that what it says? Howth Castle and Environ. So it starts in the middle of a sentence. The keys to given away alone, alas, to loved along the river run past Even and Adams from Swerve of Shore to Benda Bay brings us by a commodity of bikers for circulation to Howth Castle or, and Environs, where Tristan by Lord Amor from o'er the short sea re arrived from North Amoricor on this side of the scraggy isthmus of Europe Minor to wield a fight in his peninsulate war. So in this, He's in the middle of a sentence, and the first thing it talks about is River Run past Eve and Adams, and you're in the middle, you're thrown in the middle of this. Then the next sentence, or the next or two paragraphs after that, it says what? The fall. See that right there? The fall. Baba Dala Gara Gabra blah 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 gives you all this thing. And so here he's he's literally telling you, where are you? In this opening page, James Joyce is telling telling you where are you? Well, you're in the middle of cosmic cycles. And you're dropped in from your ancestors, Adam and Eve, and you were fallen into material, into the temporary. And that's what this book is about. And if anybody that reads this is like, what is that even saying? And this is how cryptic he gets in this. All of this, all of these Gnostic lessons are are in this baby right here. And it's it's insane. It's like the fall of a once Wall Street old power was retailed early in bed and later on life down through the, all the Christian mistralcy. The great fall of the off wall entailed at such short notice the pursuit of Finnegan, Earth's solid man, and the Humpty Hillhead of himself promptly sends an unquiring one well to the west in quest of his humpty tum tum toes and their upturned pike and point in places and knock out of the park and where oranges have laid lily have been laid to rest upon the green since Devilin's first love lily. Anyway. So it. Um, <clears throat> All of these things, these ideas, in some of the greatest works of literature, right, was this notion that, yes, everything will be thrown down, as Jesus says. So that's where we are. And that's what you have to know. We're on line two here, 35 minutes in. Okay, like I said. So when Jesus answered, saying unto him, seest thou these great buildings? They're all going to be gone. Okay, let's move on. Now that we know that, we'll return to that in just a bit here, because it's very important. And this is Mark 13, 3. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple. Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately. Okay, so we talked about where the Mount of Olives is. This is going to lead right into this. The Mount of Olives is, the, is a place that separates the most holy place, the temple. You, the temple, the most holy place. From the Judean desert to the east. And it is, the Mount of Olives is known to be the place from which Jesus, the Messiah, ascended into heaven. Okay? Where is this place? The Judean desert to the east, when we look at the astrology, we see, oh, what is the desert to the east? It's literally to the east, if you're looking, on a, on a planisphere. If you guys don't have a planisphere, definitely get a planisphere. This will help you a lot in your studies. Um, in fact, I get two of them. I got one where I can actually use this to look out, basically just look out to the horizon and find out, you know, where the stars are if you need that anyway. And then I just ripped one apart so I could actually use it. But I highly recommend one of these for your studies. The Judean Desert to the East, the Mount of Olives is, uh, there's the Mount of Olives, which is where Jesus ascended into heaven, which is the center of the entire thing. And then you have the Judean Desert to the East. And what's in a desert but, uh, Camelopardalis, which is a camel and a leopard, and combined, Camelopardalis is a giraffe. And you have a lynx and a leo, a leo minor. You've got uh, the beehive there. Lynx, the camel, leopard. The camel, the leopard, the giraffe, the lynx, the lion. They're all in the desert. And so where is this place? This is a place to the east. 
There's the lynx, the camel, the leopard, the giraffe. These are all part of the Judean desert to the east to point to the center of the whole thing. When we're in the center, think about the wheel of time, the wheel of fortune, the wheel of time. When you're in the center hub of the wheel, right? The wheel is, the idea is the wheel is spinning around and round and round. The wheel of time is constantly moving, trying to keep you into that material state, pulling you down, if you will. Wheel of time, wheel of fortune, wheel of fate, that sort of thing. We want to get off of that wheel and get into the center of the whole thing, right? So that we're not constantly pulled down to earth, pulled to the material, pulled to the temporary. We want to be in the eternal. That's why we seek eternal life with Christ. Eternality is outside of time. Eternality means that you're encapsulating all time, okay? So the place from which Jesus Messiah ascended into heaven was the Mount of Olives. Olive, Olive. Eternal life. And that is off the wheel of karma, the wheel of fortune, the wheel of fate. So they're telling you in the Mount of Olives, this is line three here, right? Whatever it is. And they're saying exactly where that place is. That's, that's the center point of the heavens. Everything else is revolving around, okay? Then he, then he takes these four dudes up, right? So he sat upon the Mount of Olives. This is where he ascended into heaven over against the temple. All talking about what's going on in here. Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately. And, and, and so who is, well, we, we talked about who, if you remember, we've talked about <clears throat> Peter, uh, excuse me, uh, James and John. We know who they are. James and John are Sagittarius and, and Scorpio. We've talked about this. We've covered it many times. We also found out who Simon Peter is. Simon Peter is the head. He's the Simon. He's the Peter. He's the rock. He's the Aries. Okay? So we got Sagittarius and Scorpio, and then we've got Aries up here, Peter. All of a sudden now, and we've dealt with this before, now Andrew gets into the mix. Well, who's Andrew? Okay? Well, Andrew, if you look into the Bible, is, we're going to find out, is Pisces. Okay, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. We'll see why that's important. He asks about two fish. So you don't know too much about Andrew when you look in the gospel. There's, you know, things here and there, but you get these, you know, basic, you know, basic pieces to pick up the, you know, to put the puzzle together. Uh, Matthew, this is in Matthew and a few in Mark here. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Andrew, his brother. Uh, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. So yet another clue as to, like, what is Andrew, if we're going to make a, a, a correlation to the constellations. Peter and Andrew, his brother. Uh, now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, Simon and Andrew, his brother, we're casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Okay, so what does that tell us who Andrew is? Andrew is his brother. Well, if we know John and James are Sagittarius and Scorpio, because they're brothers and they're right next to each other, and then we see we know who Simon Peter is because he's the rock, he's the Aries, he's the Simon. Who's his brother? Well, it's the constellation that's right next to him who's a fisher, and he had the two fish, and he was, of the right? He's the fisher of men. They're the brothers. So now we have Andrew, Pisces, Simon Peter, Aries, Sagittarius, James, John, Scorpio. Okay? So now we can do the astrobiology of what's going on here. Okay? This is your zodiac man. So 
the in other words the four aspects of like your this is your head your feet and then in your chakra system this would be your lower chakras this is james and john right that's your that's your thighs and then your member right down here simon peter's up at the head here and where is andrew he's your feetsies so now you've got essentially the entire temple so the entire temple from head to foot essentially goes ask jesus when is all this going to happen jesus when these stones come down like you said when does all this happen let's go back and read here tell us when these things shall be and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled and jesus answer, answering them began to say take heed take heed means pay attention means pay attention as we say it he's lest any man deceive you. There's going to be a lot of people, in other words, what Jesus is saying, that are going to come and tell you when the time is. And how many people right now, Christians right now, are, you know, across the land have said, well, it was in August 4th of two, 2009. That's when the end of days is going to be. No, it was when the Mayans said it was 2012 and blah, 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 blah. Right? Jesus, as we're going to see, he's saying, all these people are deceiving you. For many shall come in my name, Mark 6, 13, or 13, 6 says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. What is he saying there when he says, I am Christ? Do you know anybody that comes in the name of and says, I am Christ? No, he's saying that. What is he saying? I, I am Christ is, I am a Christian. Christ I am, Christian. Same numbers, by the way. If you want to do some gematria there, we're not going to today. What he's saying is there's a lot of people that are going to come in my name saying, I'm a Christian. I'm going to tell you when he's coming back. And Christ is saying, and they're going to deceive many. Now, when the Gnostic comes and says, Christ, I am, right? <laughs> right? There's going to be many. Are we, are we saying low here or low there? Where are we saying Christ is? It's going to be important to know. We all know. Center of you. Um, so these people will deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. So when you hear of wars, are we hearing of wars right now? Yes. Are we hearing rumors of wars right now? Yes. Should you be troubled? I guess not, huh? Why? Because where are you? Where are you supposed to be? You're supposed to be in the still place. Oh, let's go back to here. Where is it? Where's the, uh, go to the Mount of Olives here. You're, you're supposed to be in the still place in the center. While everything is whipping around you and, you know, dissolution and destruction and despair and all this other stuff and wars and rumors of wars and famines and all this shit is flying around you and turning and whirling around you, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to worry? Are you supposed to be troubled? No, why? Because you, along with Christ within you, are in the still point in the center of the whole thing. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes and divers places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves. Pay attention to yourselves. And if you're, if you're living in that way in the truth and the life and the light, right? The light of the light of every man that cometh into the world. If you're in that place, guess what's going to happen to you down here? For they, by the way, let me stop. Why does it say for such things must needs be? 
because that's what happens in a cycle. To say such things need be is just like, well, winter's going to come. Why? Because that's how it works. Take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils. In other words, you're going to be speaking truth. You're going to be living in the truth. You're going to be in the way. You're going to be saying, I know you're all evil pieces of shit, and I'm just going to continue living in truth and stuff. And the people down here, they ain't going to like that. They're not going to like that. So, But take heed to yourselves. Pay attention to yourselves. You know that still point where Christ is? For they shall deliver you up to councils in the synagogues. You shall be beaten. You shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must be first, must first be published among all nations. When we talk about um, cycles of time, there will be a specific point in the world age in which destruction, dissolution, despairs, wars, famines will happen. Should you be troubled about it? No. Why? Because Jesus is saying such things must needs be. That's what happens down here. Okay? Um, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. Neither do ye premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour that speak ye, when you speak, whatever is given to you, by the way, it's been given to you. It's a gift. It's a Kabbalistic gift. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. What is he saying there? When you're in that, okay, let me let me stop. We'll get back to this. In the world age, there will be a point, because that's how it works, in which there will be destruction, there will be dissolution, there will be chaos, there will be famines, and there will be wars. Because that's how it works. You may never even see that p p time in, in history. Maybe you'll die before that. Is this still is this still pertinent to you? Yes, of course. Of course. Because you're still seeing the wars and the famines and all this, all this, you know, dissolution and tyranny and stuff like that around you. And what do you what is the message there? Do not be troubled. All of these things shall pass. When uh, they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought. Why are you why are you to take no thought? When you're in that position where it's like, oh, it's quote unquote the end, all of that sort of stuff, and you're in the position where they're taking you up in the chief in the synagogues and they're being like, oh, you would need to why are they saying, don't worry about what you're going to say? Because you're in the way. You're in the flow. You're in God's graces. You don't have to, anything to worry about. When that happens, what will be speaking through you? You already, you already made it all the way up there. You had the integrity, the will, the gumption, the gall, the strength, the inner strength, the fortitude. You had the faith. You don't have anything to worry about. You're in the grace of God. That's what they're saying. What's going to happen during that time? Now the brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son and the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. How many times in history do you think that's probably happened? <clears throat> and, it'll, and it'll all happen again, by the way. All of this will happen all again. And it's going to be the exact same, but it'll be, of course, completely different. And I think you all know what I mean by that. It's the same pattern. Just like the sun. There will be the sun that comes right there and it's going to be, oh, it's the same sun as far as we know, right? Is it a new day? Yes. Is the same things happening during that day? Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endureth unto the end, the, the same uh, shall be saved. If you hold on to the truth all the way to the end and you don't falter and fall into the, well, maybe I need to go into the chaos here because that's what I mean. Right? 
you'll be saved. That's the whole point. This is a rites of passage. This is a place in which you're given a bunch of obstacles. A lot of them. Wars and famine and terror and kings and despots and, you know, dragging you up to the, you know, blah, 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 blah. But if you can endure, the same shall be saved. In other words, you will reach eternal life. You won't be stuck in the temporary tempest of temptation. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel of the prophet, we'll talk about this a bit, standing where it ought not. It's really important. Let's read this again. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, parentheses, let him that readeth understand. So they just said something in one one little uh, um, little you know between the comma there, standing where it ought not, comma, parentheses, let him that readeth understand what I just said, right? What that was just said. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. So in other words, the people that were in Judea, the Jews, they were fleeing to the mountains because they didn't understand. So what is the abomination of, desol of, of uh, desolation? It's, it's in the, what do I have it here? It's in the book of Daniel. Uh, it's a phrase from the book of Daniel describing the pagan sacrifices, which will, you know, allegedly the second century, blah, 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 blah twice offering in the Jewish temple. This is essentially, if you're looking at home, this is essentially what the abomination of desolation is, right? It's just destruction and chaos and the you know destruction of Jerusalem, all this sort of stuff. It's all falling apart is essentially what's going on, right? It's all falling apart. And so that's essentially what the, and this is actually mentioned in Matthew. And it says, um, but he that shall endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Essentially the same story in Matthew. You see, you see this a lot. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, it says. Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. The exact same thing. It's saying, hey, um, you know, if you uh, if you're if the desolation is standing where it ought not to, or in other words, you're supposed to stand in the holy place. So where is once again? Let's go back to the Judean desert. Where is when we understand this as a cosmic story? When we understand that this is a story that deals with your spiritual conquest, where is the abomination of desolation? Where is it happening? all around you in the cosmic wheel in the sky time happening all around you you know growing up and fading and de desolate you know all this sort of thing passing and all this other stuff and then there's this the still point in the center the still point in the center where christ is and what's that that's the place the holy place where does it say here um that's the holy place. Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. <clears throat> Where does it say? Oh, I'm on the I'm wrong one there. But you, you get that, right? So that holy place is in the center. Where the winds of time are not whipping everything around. Um, and then it goes on to say, And let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, Neither enter, did I, did I miss one? I think I missed one. No, that's right. 
and let uh, Mark thirteen fifteen and let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. And let him that's in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. What are they saying there? What is this time of revealing, if you will, where everything is falling apart around you? As we talked about, um, we've talked about this many times. There's an old Irish adage that says, uh, and it's like a prayer, it's like a blessing. It says, may you be alive at the end of the world. And the whole point is that when you're alive at the end of the world, you get to see all of the stuff fade away, all the lies, all the despair, all the all the half-truths and non, you know, the, the disinfo and, and all that sort of stuff. It all gets to fade. And you get to see the truth, the whole unified truth for what it is. Now, when you're in that position and you're, you know, in, in a metaphysical sense, lifting up to the heavens, going where Christ was, the Mount of Olives, where he headed up to heaven, the Messiah ascended into heaven, which is exactly where you want to go. Are you going to turn around and be like, oh, my, my house, I'm, I got I to gotta go fix that. What is the house? It's the material body. And you're on top of the house. You're about to leave the house. And they're saying, in this time, don't go back into the house. Neither take anything, material possessions that are in the house. Do you know why? Because they're all going to go. And the only thing that will be left is your eternal divine spark that's within. Let him that is on the housetop not go down back into the house. It's planted on the earthly ground. Neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. Why? Because it'll all be cast down, stone after stone. And let that him that's in the field not turn back again to take up his garment, to put his material clothing back on. You're done with that shit. In the, in the time of destruction, dissolute, which once again, we see that's already happened in history. We already know that something got rid of those people here. What happened to all these people? What about all of these people here? What about this? What about ha what happened to all those people? What about the what about the, all the mound builders? They're all gone. Because that's what happens down here. <clears throat> so in that time of despair, that sort of thing. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. You know, feeding children. And pray ye that your flight not be in winter. For in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. Think about what's being said there. The beginning of creation. There wasn't such dissolution and destruction until the beginning of creation. Think about the beginning of creation. What was there? In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters in the beginning there was chaos destruction darkness what happens at the end of a cycle and the beginning of a new cycle destruction chaos dissolution darkness and what rises in the new cycle light it says it in the beginning of the book now Remember last chapter when we talked about the parable of the vineyard? And Jesus tells us about a parable and what happened in that parable. Jesus, gave, or God, the Lord, if you will, in the parable, gave the vineyard to these people. He got it all nice. He got the hedgerow and he got the wine fat and the tower. And it's like, oh, it's fantastic, you know, Pinot Noir in there. Just, oh, it's freaking fantastic. And he gives it to the people. And then he sends his servants down 
and his only begotten son and it says hey we just need some fruit from the vineyard and they're like yeah we're gonna kill you we're gonna stone you we're gonna cast you out we're gonna do all this other stuff and then what does jesus do he comes and he takes away the vineyard from those people and gives it back to humanity so what happens at the end of the cycle god takes the vineyard from the psychopaths last chapter And except that the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he has shortened the days. Basically saying, your time is up. And then, if any man shall say to you, lo, here is Christ, or lo, there, he is there, right? Oh, let me say this again. Mark 13, 21. And then, if any man shall say to you, lo, here is Christ, or lo, he, he is there, believe him not. This is, this is Christ literally calling out contemporary Christianity. That's what he's doing here. Because do you know what contemporary Christians will say? Oh, he's not in the Gnostic over there. And the Orthodox will say, oh, he's not in the Catholic or the Protestants over there. And the Protestants will say, well, he's not over there. No, he's too... Th Listen, you dummy. He was 2,000 years ago and you just wait till he shows back up. That's exactly what every modern, most contemporary modernity, you know, modern day Christianity is teaching. They're literally saying he's not there and he's not there. And Christ is coming in and saying, believe, do not believe those people. What is the Gnostic? What, what do us Gnostics say? He's everywhere. We're not saying that. I've never said, lo, here is Christ. It's only here. No, it's not here. It's over here. But what did we start this thing out with? What was the prayer? It's to recognize when the thousand winds that blow, I'm the diamond glints on snow. I'm the sunlight on ripened grain. I'm the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I'm the swift uplifting rush of quiet birds and circle flight. I'm the soft stars that shine at night. Do not think of me as gone. I am with you still in each new dawn. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall so, uh, show signs and wonders to seduce, even if it were possible, even the elect. The elect are what? The, the, he just talked about them. The elect. Jesus saw you, saw the poor widow that was giving two pennies for a farthing and recognized, oh, that was the elect. That was the person that lived it. That was the person that had the, you know, the genuine in, in her heart. That's the elect. There's going to be people that are going to, going to, you know, try to manipulate those people and trick them. But take ye, take ye heed. Basically, once again, pay attention. Behold, I have foretold you all things. Once again, what is all things? Christ is all things. So, in those days, after that tribulation, this, okay, listen to this. I'm going to read these few lines and let's talk about this. But in those days, after that tribulation, the, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see, thy see they see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Okay, so let's just say we none of us ever see the quote unquote apocalypse as everybody understands it. Are you still going to at one point in your life See the sun fall and the stars of the heavens fall and the earth beneath your feet. Will it be shaken as you leave this earthly plane in your death? 
And the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. You know why? Because all of those things that you experience down here are all of a sudden going to fade away and be gone in your what? In your death. And when you go to that death, what are you going to see? If you are the elect, if once again, if you have, um, you know, undergone your trials and tribulations down here, we'll get to tribulations in just a second. If you've undergone that rites of passage, what are you going to see? You'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. That's what you'll see. Do you need to see the apocalypse, quote unquote, that end days in the in the in the grand cycles of time? New heavens, new earth, destruction, recreation. Oh, the vineyards, oh, it's going to crap. They killed everybody. And then all of a sudden, well, they, oh, they killed everybody. The Lord came down and removed everybody in the vineyard and gave it back. Even if you don't see that period, are you still going to have a tribulation? Yes. Why? What does tribulation mean? It's a state of affliction or oppression, suffering, distress. What the heck do you think you're doing down here? It's rites of passage. You're... By the way, the root of the word tribulation, tribulation. When you're part of a tribe, tri, three, right? B3. Uh, tribulation, a state of affliction or oppression, suffering or distress. The root of the word tribulation comes from terra. It's a Proto-Indo-European root means to rub, a turn, with derivatives referring to twisting, also boring, drilling, what is that? Think about it. Where are you? You're fallen from the great height into temporary, into the, you've been tempted into the temporary existence of the tempest of time, and you're here to undergo a state of affliction or oppression, suffering, distress, which is exactly what you're undergoing. That tribulation, that Divine spark fallen into the story of falling into materiality and, and then, you know, getting back up to source, if you will. That's the hero's journey. That's what's understood as the hero's journey. Return, resurrection, rescue, you know, the, the whole bit. We've covered this before. This is what the Zodiac is all about. Falling, coming back up. It's a wheel of time. Once again, it's the same thing. So you're, you're undergoing a tribulation right now. You're uh, in a state of affliction or oppression, uh, suffering and distress. The, the Buddhists say all life is suffering. Like Taoists say that sort of thing too. Why? why? Why are you suffering? Why was this mourning? It was a mourning. We were in mourning. Why? Because you're in a state of perceived, anyway, separation from God. And so at some point, in your death... Whether you see this in a physical reality at all, you will see it. You will see that the sun will be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven will fall upon in your death. And what are you supposed to see? Well, Jesus tells you. Then, if you're the elect, if you've reached salvation, then, and then, shall he send his angels and shall uh, gather together his elect from the four winds. Four winds basically means the four corners of the earth from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. What is he saying there? What's going to happen in the very end? Unification, totality, bringing together all of the elect into God's unification. That's what salvation is all about. That's what we talked about. Um, yoga means union. That's what it means. 
That's what he's doing right there. That is union. That's yoga. And he shall send his angels and shall gather together his elect from all parts of the earth, all the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. He's bringing it together to into one. And why? Because they are seeing the Son of Man, the light within man, rising up through them, heading out of the material world, leaving, heading into the metaphysical, leaving the physical. You're on the upper part of the house. You're not going back in the house. You're in the fields. You're not going back to put those garments on and clothes on. You're leaving. You've undergone a tribulation. Now learn a parable of the fig tree when her branch is yet not tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that the summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. He just made a reference to the seasons. And he's like, here's the parable. I want you to understand everything that I just said. Now I'm going to talk about the fig tree or the fig tree, and I'm going to give <laughs> I'm going to give the parable of the fig tree, and it's going to reference the cycle of the seasons. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Why? Why is he saying that? Because he knows that the cycle has to has a beginning and it has an end. Then it says this. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. <laughs> it's freaking... What is he saying there? Heaven and earth shall pass away. Wait a second. We just covered that. We, we just covered that. We know that, right? Because we, we can see it with our own two eyes. We can see, oh, those mound builders, they're gone. The Egyptians are gone. The Indians, they're gone. The Gothic cathedral builders, they're gone. And whoever was here, they're gone. And all these cultures, people that we don't even, cultures, entire civilizations that existed and thrived on this earth are poof, gone like a fart in the wind. We have no idea who they are. We, don't, we can't even smell the after effects of their fart. Anyway, what is so we, we just read here, uh, there it says, uh, heaven and earth shall pass away. We know this to be true because who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. So yes, that heavens and earth shall pass away. And what's going to happen? What happens down here? How can, how can Jesus be such a prophet? Because he knows what goes on down here. So heaven and earth shall pass away. That age, that eon, that world shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. What is he saying? Number one, the word of God shall not pass away. But what is it? There's a script. It's called scripture. It's, there's a script down here. God wrote it all down. He didn't like, you know, he's like wrote the whole thing. And then he's like, well, I'm just going to keep going. Maybe I'll make like a, some prequels. He got all like George Lucas about this. You know, make some prequels and some postquels and all this other stuff. No, he finished. Creation was finished. There's a script, and the script is here. Death and resurrection. Here it is. That, that will never pass away. That's the, the foundations of the earth have been laid forever, and that script ain't going nowhere. A new heavens and a new earth will pass. There's going to be Gothic cathedrals. There's going to be, you know, what, whatever, mound builders and native. Yes, and they're all going to go. But you know what's never going to go? The script. His words. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. <clears throat> the scripture comes from the sacred writings of the Bible. It means the sacred writings of the Bible. 
books of the Old Testament, New Testament, we all know. And of course, what is a script? It's, it's, it's like, it's a writing, a book, a line, a mark. Okay. So he knows the script. Christ knows the script. And that's why he's not worried. That's why he's saying to you, while all this stuff is dissolving all around you, you find the still place in the center and say, let it go. And the only thing you can do is be the light. Okay? Mark 13, 32. But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man. No. Not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. The, the, in other words, the creator that made the whole thing, that wrote the script out, he knows. Everybody else, no clue. This is exactly what they're saying. And he's even saying, you might know when the when around the time is, just like you see, oh, the fig tree, oh, it's getting soft and it's getting leaves and stuff like that. You know generally around the time. But are you going to know the day and the hour of that? No. How many Christians are going around being like, saying stuff like that, have said stuff like that in the past? Yes, it's going to be August, you know, like December 21st. It was Y2K something. No. You're not going to know. The book tells you you're not going to know. Now, think of this, save for eons and world ages and cycles of destruction and recreation. Forget about all that. Throw that out. We're not talking about that. What about your spiritual enlightenment? When the destruction of your material body falls away and you recognize that you're the metaphysical divine spark within, when that happens, are you going to know when it happens? I'll tell you what, I didn't know. All of a sudden, I came home one Friday night after having a few drinks and I sat at home and my ex was sleeping on the couch and I'm just, I started tapping some stuff in so the calculator and adding stuff through and all of a sudden, boom. The next thing you know, I was a changed man. I had no idea the hour or the day, the angels in heaven didn't know. <laughs> You're not going to know. So what do you got to do? You got to pay attention as he goes on to say, Mark 13, 33. He says, take ye heed, watch and pray. For ye not know when the time is. You're never going to know when that time is. So you're going to sit there and worry about it? Then he tells you about the story of the rites of passage in the next line. <clears throat> Notice he says, watch here. He says, watch several times in these last four, five lines here. Watch, 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 watch. Uh, take ye heed, pay attention, watch and pray. For ye know not when the time is. For the son, this is, now he's going to tell you, Jesus is going to tell you about the story of you as a soul coming down here, having to undergo the work of being down here and earning your place home to find that grace, to find that light, okay? In other words, um, God is, uh, he, he sent you down here, he's like, he, he's making a list, he's, he's checking it twice and he's going to find out who's naughty and nice, essentially. Mark 13, 34 says, For the son of man, that light of man that's within you, is a man taking a far journey who left his house, God's house, gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. So God put you down here, gave you a task, gave you, in this way, in this sense, laws, things you're supposed to do down here, which is ultimately be a moral human being. There's that. And while you're down here, he's going to watch. He's going to give you a job to do. You're going, you know, you're, you're going to have to do that, that work. And he's going to sit there and be like, all right, let's see. Did you do it? How'd you do? The all-seeing eye of God is never shut. He's going to watch you the entire time. He's going to know everything that's in your head, every stupid thought that you had, every stupid action you made, and all the good ones as well. He's going to know all those things. 
and he's gonna watch. He's gonna look at you and see, did you do what? Did you do good? Did you do him good? That's what that's about. It's taking a far journey from home, down to earth, and you want to return. And the porter to watch, looking at you, making sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. What do you think the Lord, when he gave the, the vineyard, as we saw in last chapter, the Lord gave the vineyard to these people, and then he sat back and he sent his servants and he sent his, his son. What was he doing the entire time? He was, he gave the vineyard as a gift, and then he watched them completely, you know, these, these um, scribes and Pharisees watched as they completely tore up the place, and he watched the entire time saying, oh, look how immoral you are. I'll, I'll give you another chance. I'll send another servant. Oh, you, you beat him in the head? I'll give you another chance. I'll send another servant. Oh, you killed him? I'll send another. Oh, you killed him too? I'll send my son. I'll send the light of the world down. And what'd you do? You killed him too, huh? He was watching the whole time. Then when they didn't do their work, what did he do? <clears throat> he took care of business. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. At even, or at midnight, or the cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping, not awake, not paying attention, not being in that state of awareness. You're sleeping on the job. He gave you uh, every man his work and you weren't doing the work. Now let's go back. Let's look at these lines again and whatever the the the, the um, what is the the poetic message that's injected in every single one of these lines. Okay. Take ye heed, watch, watch, and pray, for ye know not when the time. Watch, time. The Son of Man is, is taking a far journey. He left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded his porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, or at even, the evening, or at midnight, a time period, at the cock crowing, reverencing when the crow, the crow cocks in the morning, or in the morning. Those are all references to time. Watch, time, watch, watch, evening, midnight, cock crowing, morning. Least, lest uh, coming, suddenly he find you not awake. And then he ends at this. This is the end of the chapter. And he says one thing. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. Comma. Watch. What is a watch? You put it on your wrist. It's, it's called a watch, right? So what are you doing? So what are you, You're watching as what is the... What is the uh, main determiner of time. When you make a calendar, what do you base it on? Either the sun or the moon. But before you can even make a lunar calendar, you, you need a solar calendar because the, sol the sun is what determines the day, the day and the night. The sun is the, of course, we're, you know, Christ is the son of God, right? The son of man. The sun is the celestial uh, object of the sky. That is the thing that creates day and night and the seasons. It's the very thing that creates the death. You know, I don't want to say creates because God creates it all, but it's the determiner, if you will, the celestial body that is the determiner of the day and night, of the seasons. So when you watch, it's like the watch on your wrist and you watch this, you're watching as the sun does what? All of this is a reference to time. Why? Because God is trying, Jesus here is trying to get you out of time. He's trying to get you off the wheel of time. 
the wheel of fortune, the wheel of fate. Because <clears throat> that wheel is just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And he's saying, get out of time and find the Christ within. Get off that wheel of time and find the place where the sun does dissolve and the moon is gone and the stars in heaven. All of those things that do what? In the very first opening of Genesis, what does it say? The signs, the stars are made for science and for the day and to that sort of thing. I don't know exactly what it says, but... And that's what it's all about. God is trying to get you into the eternal presence of the now. All of, the, all of this language is about time. Watch. You're, you're trying to elevate yourself out of the push and pull of time, off of the wheel of time. You want to get out, out of those cycles of destruction. And this is what that center point is all about. Okay? This is what the Trinity is all about. We've talked about this enough. The, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the past, the destroyer, the Father, the future, the creator. And the Son is the present. It is the eternal present of the now. This is not some New Age woo-woo jargon about living the now, man, and the power of now and stuff like that. No. This is front and center. This is the, the, the core and the essence of Christ's teaching, that Christ is in the eternal presence of the now. What are you watching for? Are you watching the clock and seeing all the clicking times? No. You're watching for Christ in here. So watch. So he's saying, look at, look at time and transcend out of it. It's what the entire Trinity is all about. You can't even understand the Trinity unless you bring into it this notion of, of you know, ascending out of time, transcending time. So... But, uh, so that's the end of Mark. I just want to read this. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be also uh, with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached, suffering is temporary. That's the point. Suffering is temporary. Suffering doesn't happen upstairs. Suffering happens downstairs. So when you're on the top of the house, you don't want to go back in the house and gather your things. I'm like, oh, I need the sink and I need, oh, I got to grab my you know, <laughs> my, my PlayStation and my Xbox. You're not going to need that shit. If ye be reproached by, excuse me, if ye, I don't know what this is. This is Matthew. I just want to end with this. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit, if you're reproached, you'd be like, oh, that's a Christian. Be happy. For the spirit of glory and uh, God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. When you're doing that, when you're being a busybody in other men's matters, you're doing this. You're going round and round and round and round and round and round on the wheel of time as opposed to focusing on the center still point of the presence of Christ that is the now. And if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Where does the judgment, the judgment day, where does it happen? Well, according to uh, Davos and Weth, it's going to be in August of 2030. No, the judgment begins at the house of God. And where is the house of God, ladies and germs? 
So where is the, when is the time? For the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. So you focus here. And you don't worry about what's going on there. Are we supposed to be troubled when there's famines and wars and rumors of wars and mother and father are going against each other? What Are we supposed to be troubled about it? No, because then you're putting yourself in the men's matters. Let's just say that. Men's matters. <clears throat> For the time has come the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, if it begins at us, what shall be the end of them that do not obey the gospel of God? Who, what happens to those people that don't recognize where Christ is? Well, those are those Jews that will be fleeing into the mountains. All right, that's going to do it for me. Um, small Acts 1111, thank you so much. Christ is the bullseye, the center of the being. That's the monad. Boom. You know, when you talk about um, finding Christ everywhere, like in, in meaning this very literally, like I, you know, I'm pretty conscious of that. Like, you know, when, you know, there's there's all this math, which I've, I've done videos on that. Um, haven't been seen by that many people, but there's a bunch of math to um, all the, like if you walk into a bar, right? I've done this a few times in my life. You walk into a bar, you're going to be surrounded by a bunch of things that actually will lead you directly to Christ. The mathematics encoded within Christ and they're all around you. So you walk into a bar, you'll see a, a, a pair of dice rolling on a table. That's That's the paradise. Specific numbers to tell you about not only the number seven and which which of course encodes pi and tau, but it's uh, also the number of bones in the in the you know human body. The pair of dice actually encodes the septenary cipher right there. Oh, that's a, it's just on the pair of dice. Then it's like, oh well, right next to that pair of dice is a deck of cards. You know what's in the deck of cards? It's a calendar. It's a calendar. The four suits adding you know one through thirteen. You add those through. It's ninety one. Ninety one times four is three sixty four. You add the Joker. You got three sixty five. You go up to that dartboard, and it's 1 through 20. That's what the numbers are. Go look at it. It's a monad. That's what the dartboard is. It's a monad. It's the wheel. It's basically the wheel of time. It's really what it is, and you want to get to the center. That's what the monad is. The dartboard, right? It's 1 through 20. Do you know what adding 1 through 20 is? It's 210. Do you know what that is? That's your hands. That's adding 1 through 14 and 1 through 14. That's on the dartboard. Do you know how they score dartboards? In the, it's called Cricketeer. They score it from... It goes like 1 through 14 and then 15 through 20. So you go 1 through 14, and I think it's, I think it's 1 through 14, 15 through 20. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't visited this in a, in a bit, but that leads to the hands as well. 1 through 14 is 105. 15 through 20 is 105. Do you know what that is? 210. You know what 1 through 20 is? 210. That's all on your hands. That's on the dartboard. We're, I just showed this, uh, this to my dad in, in, in pool, in billiards. You add up all the billiards, that equals 365. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and cue ball equals 105, or excuse me, 365. So it's like billiards, Christ, and then the, the, the dartboard, Christ, and then the dice, Christ, and then the deck of cards, Christ. So when you say Christ is everywhere, the understanding that the eternal source of God's intelligence and design is everywhere, that's not some woo-woo poetic, philosophical, frickin' nonsense. Kabbalah, 
teaches us that there's math behind all that stuff to help help us actually make those connections. So, I always feel stronger and happier after visiting church with Marty and the gang. Thank you. Thank you, Spicy Sarah. Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Krupa. Small Axe, thank you. Uh, the lovely Jen McNally, thank you all. Karen Kobley, you need to be a moderator. You're a moderator. Boom, just like that. Thank you for the wisdom you're sharing, Brother Marlies. Thank you so much. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Next, uh, I think I was going to plan on doing, don't quote me because I say this stuff and then it always changes, but I was thinking about doing a thing on astrology, talking about specifically, very specifically, um, sidereal astrology and tropical astrology and talking about the misnomers between those things how they're two different systems how as far as i've understood in in study of astrology they've always been two different systems why there are two different systems in the first place um talking about why why we're even focusing on you know is is that group of stars that's right there is that really a lion no of course it's not a lion why are we calling it a lion why would we even care about naming groups of stars in the first place what are the stars talk about all of that. So that's hopefully, um, um, yeah, that's what we'll hopefully talk about. Finishing the book of Mark. Yes, we will do that. Yes. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, maybe we'll do 14. So, okay. Uh, so good morning. Thank you so much. If you do get a chance, uh, stopping over to Gnostic Revel, oh, wait, Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. I don't know if he has a, uh, and that's Amor's channel. I don't know if he has uh, one for today, but he's got a couple old ones and we haven't watched the last one, so we'll probably do that tonight. Um, and, I'm, and he's always got a bunch of good stuff there. And if you get a chance, stop on over to... Oh, where is my graphic? I always screw this up. You can become a member at the uh, Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, GnosticAcademy.org, GnosticAcademy.org. Uh, five bucks a month, 14 quarterly, or 54 for the year. We're not changing those prices. We're going to keep them that way unless, you know, inflation goes up to gas starts costing, like, 80 bucks a gallon could happen. Uh, but we're going to keep it that way. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for me. We're going to listen to an outro song. But I'll first say this. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. I really appreciate everybody that stops by on Sunday or, or watches. Hey, it's 105 watching right now. That's the 14 triangular. I really appreciate everybody that stops by and watches and things like that. Um, I really appreciate your time. I really do. Um, and for those of you who are wondering if I, when I speak fast, no, I'm not on Adderall or cocaine or methamphetamines. I just think fast and I talk fast. I'm not on any, you know, <clears throat> speed or anything like that. Okay. So, uh, and I'm trying to slow it down a little bit, but I, my brain gets working. It's just what it is, what it is. So, okay. That's going to do it for me. Guys, I love you so much. Uh, we're going to listen to a song called The Hierophant from my record called Logos Rising, which you can get at NastaCademy.org. You can get all the records. So, all right. Um, I will be on live tonight with um, uh, Rogue Ways. I'll be on Rogue Ways, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. I'm not sure. I think she's Colorado anyway. But if you get a chance, stop it over. I'm not going to be streaming it from my channel, but I think she's on Rock Fan. I'm pretty sure she's, I know she's on Rock Fan. I'm not sure if she's still on YouTube or not, but uh, Lindsay's awesome. We'll have a great conversation on what the heck we're going to talk about, but a whole bunch of good stuff. So if you get a chance, stop on over and check it out, all right? I'm also, I just uh, I just got contacted by Karen B. as well, the lovely Karen B. Who doesn't love Karen? 
Um, and apparently I'm going to be doing uh, the Sunday. I don't know if I'm doing Sunday service or something like that, but I will be at the Flattoberfest. So we're going to do that, which we were possibly going to go um, go there anyway. Um, Sarah Luchter is here, though. I'm not I don't do cocaine. I'm not saying I've never done cocaine. That's a two, those are two different things. I don't do those drugs anymore, but I have had some fun with somebody here. <laughs> Look, we all make mistakes in life. My Lord, you know, you just own up to that shit. So anyway, uh, what was I saying? Yes. All right. I'll end this thing. Flattoberfest. We're going to go and it's going to be fun. We were thinking about going anyway, uh, but we weren't sure. So it's going to be cool. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing all the wonderful people. I know, Sarah. I'm, I'm laughing too. <laughs> anyway. So, all right. That's going to do it. Guys, I love you so much. Let's rock out. As always, many blessings and much love to all. Cross that I